Book Three, Chapter Two of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de la Bera. Translated by Robert Southey. Book Three, Chapter Two. How Amadis asked of his fosterer Don Gandales the news of the court, and how he and his companions departed for Gaul and of the adventures which befell them in an island where they delivered Don Galoar and King Kildadan from the peril of death. Till the fleet was gone from the firm island, the turmoil had been so great that Amadis had had no time to inquire from Galvanus the news from King Lisuarte's court, but now he took him into the garden to learn, and Galvanus told him all that had passed, and gave him Mabilia's letter, whereby he learned that his lineage was about to be increased. At this had Amadis great joy, yet for the loneliness he felt for his lady he retired alone and wept like a man beside himself. When this passion was somewhat abated, he bade Gandalin carry his arms aboard a vessel, for he and Don Bruneo would depart the next day for Gaul. On the morrow they put to sea. The wind was sometimes fair, at other times foul, and after five days they found themselves abreast of a fair island and well wooded. Let us stop here a day or two, quoth Don Bruneo. It seemeth a good land, and we may perchance find adventures here. They then bade the master put to shore, for they would land. God forbid that ye should, said he. Why so? quoth Amadis. That ye may escape death or cruel imprisonment. For know that this is the Dolores Isle, whereof the great giant Madark is lord, the cruelest and fiercest in the world. I tell you, no knight or damsel hath entered here for fifteen years, but hath been killed or taken. When they heard this, they wondered greatly, and with no little fear to undertake such an adventure. Yet as their hearts were such, and as their true office was to cleanse the world of such customs, not heeding danger, they bade the master make to land, which with difficulty and almost force they made him do. Then took they their arms and horses, and with their two squires, Gandalin and Lacindo, whom they told, if they were set upon by any other than knights, to bestir themselves to aid them, they rode into the island. So they went up the mountain, and being at the top saw near them a castle goodly and strong, toward which they went to hear news of the giant. Coming near they heard a horn sound from the tower so loud that it made the valleys ring. The master of the ship had told them that that horn sounded to call the giant when his people had attacked any knights whom they could not subdue, and that then he came forth in such fury that he slew all whom he met, even sometimes his own people. "'Let us go forward, then,' said Amadis. Far had they not gone when they heard a great uproar and the clash of lances and the clang of swords falling heavy and fast. Presently they saw a great crowd pressing upon two knights and two squires, having slain their horses, and now labouring to kill them. But they four defended themselves marvellously well. Anon Amadis saw the dwarf Ardian come running toward him, and he, knowing his master's shield, cried out, "'Oh, Sir Amadis, help your brother Galaor, whom they are slaying, and his friend King Kildadan.' At that they spurred their horses full speed to their rescue. 
As they were thus galloping, they saw the giant Madark come up. He was on a huge horse, his mail was thick, and he was covered with plates of iron, and, instead of a helmet, he wore an armet of bright steel, and in his hand he held a spear so heavy that any other knight could not without difficulty lift it, and a great shield. And he came on, crying, "'Give room, give room, you worthless wretches, who cannot kill two tired and worthless knights!' leave them to me that my spear may enjoy their blood oh how god takes vengeance upon the unjust and how he is dissatisfied with those who follow pride remember reader that nimrod who built the tower of babel and many others whom i will not now mention that i may not run into prolixity so was it with madark in this battle amadis who heard him feared greatly seeing how monstrous he was and commending himself to God, he said, Now, Oriana, lady mine, it is time to be succoured by you. He then besought Don Bruneo to engage the other knights, for he would attack the giant, and fitted his lance under his arm and ran at him in full career, and smote him so rudely on the breast that he made him fall back upon the crupper. The giant held the reins short, and being thus driven back, he plucked them with him so strongly that the horse reared and fell back upon his master, so that Mardark broke his leg, and the horse's shoulder was put out, and neither of them could rise. Amadis, who saw him thus, drew his sword, and cried out aloud at them, Brother Galaor, for I am Amadis who help you. And he rode among them, marvelling to see the feats of Bruneo, who at one stroke had pierced the nephew of the giant through the throat, and was laying about him with his sword. Then Amadis cleaved down another knight to the teeth, and Galaor, mounted upon his horse, yet would he not move on from King Kildadan, who was on foot by him. But Gandalin came up, and gave his horse to the king, and fought himself with the squires. Then, when the four knights were all mounted, you might have seen wonderful deeds of arms, how they smote down and slew all before them, and the squires also did their parts manfully. So that all who were able to fly soon fled before them to the castle, and they followed them close to the castle gate. Now the gate was shut, and might not be opened till the giant himself came, for so he had commanded. When, therefore, his people saw that they could not enter, and had no remedy, they who were on horseback alighted, and they threw away their swords, and fell upon their knees before Amadis, who was foremost in pursuit, and caught hold of the lappets of his armour to escape from his companions. Amadis protected them from King Kildadan and Galaor, who were so enraged at the wrong they had received that they would not else have left a man alive, and he took assurance from them to obey his commands. Then went they towards the giant, who lay unable to help himself, in such plight that he was well-nigh expiring, for the horse lay upon his broken leg. King Kildadan alighted, and bade his squires help him, and they together turned the horse over so that the giant could breathe for King Kildadan, though by his means both himself and Galaor had been brought to the point of death, had no design to slay him, not for his own sake, for he was evil and proud, but for the love of his son, King Gasquilan, who was a right good knight, and he therefore besought Amadis to spare him. Madark, then quoth Amadis, you see in what plight you are, if you will take my counsel you shall live, if not, death is with thee. Good night, replied the giant, 
since you place life or death in my choice i will do your pleasure and live and this i swear what i will then answered amadis is that thou shouldst become a christian with all thy people and build churches and monasteries in thy dominions and release all thy prisoners and never more keep this evil custom the giant answered being in the fear of death all this will i do for i well know that according to my force and people compared with yours i could not have been vanquished except for my sins and that too by one blow now if it please you let me be carried to my castle and come ye there also and regale yourselves and there i will obey you then amadis called those whom he had spared and they took up the giant and all went to the castle when they had disarmed amadis and galaor embraced each other many times weeping for pure joy and thus happy were those four knights till the giant sent to inform them that their food was ready but amadis replied that he would not eat till the prisoners were all brought before him that shall presently be done said the giant's people for he has already sent to release them presently they came one hundred and thirty knights and forty dames and damsels and they all came humbly to kiss the hand of amadis and ask what he would command them to do what will most please me replied amadis is that ye go to queen brisena and tell her that her knight of the firm island hath sent ye and that he hath found here his brother galaor and kiss her hand for me then were they served with food and amadis ordered that ships should be provided for the prisoners and so they set sail to perform his bidding after they had made their meal amadis and his companions went into the giant's chamber to see him and they found that his sister andandona was looking to his wound this was the fiercest and worst giantess in the world she was fifteen years older than her brother and had holpen to bring him up and her hair was white and so woolly that it could not be combed and her face so deformed beyond all course of nature that she looked like nothing but a devil of stature was she huge and fleet of foot nor was their horse so wild nor any other savage beast that she could not tame and break in she shot with the bow and threw darts certainly and strong so that for the most part she was hunting in the mountain and her clothing was of the skins of bears and lions and wild boars whom she had slain great enemy was she to the christians and always had done them all the evil in her power and much worse was she hereafter and may their brother be the same till in the battle which king lisuarte had with king aravigo and the six kings king perion slew him as shall be related after the knights had remained a while with madark and he had again promised them to turn christian they left him and on the following morning embarked for gaul they had to pass an arm of the sea which had thick woods on either side and in these woods that devilish giantess andandona lay in wait for them and when she saw them on the water she came close to the shore upon a rock above them and took the sharpest of all her darts and threw it at them with all her force it struck don bruneo and went through his leg into the side of the galley and there break but with the force of her aim she overswayed herself and fell into the water with such a sound as if a tower had fallen they seeing how monstrous she was and that she was clothed with the black skins of bears verily believed she was some devil 
and began to cross themselves and commend themselves to God. But presently they saw her swim stiffly towards the shore, and then they shot arrows at her. But she dived till she reached the land. Then, just as she landed, Amadis and Kildadan wounded her with their arrows in the shoulder. But she quickly ran into the wood, and King Kildadan, who saw her flying thus with the shafts in her shoulder, could not forbear laughing. Then they went to help Don Bruneo, and staunched the blood, and laid him in his bed. Presently the giantess appeared again upon an eminence, and cried out aloud, "'If you think I am a devil, you're wrong, but I am Andandona, who will do you all the mischief I can, and will not forbear for what pain or trouble it may cost me.' And then she ran along the rocks so fleetly that nothing could have overtaken her, so that they were much amazed thereat for they thought surely that she would have died of her wounds. Then they learned all concerning her from two of the prisoners whom Gandalin had taken on board the galley because they were natives of Gaul, and if Don Bruneo had not entreated them to carry him as quickly as possible, where he might have help for his wound, they would have returned and hunted the whole island to catch that bedeviled giantess and have her burned. So they went on and entered the open sea, talking of many things, and Amadis told them all that had passed with King Lisuarte. Full sorrowful thereat was Don Galoar, and great grief did he feel in his heart, for he well understood what evils might ensue, and he was placed in great trouble, for though his brother Amadis, whom he so dearly loved, was on the other side, yet could not that so influence his heart as to make him refuse to serve King Lisuarte, with whom he had lived, as you have heard heretofore and then he remembered how Amadis had left him at the firm island, and calling him aside, he said, "'Sir brother, what thing so great or grievous could have happened to you that the love and tie between us was not greater, but you concealed it from me as from a stranger?' "'Good brother,' replied Amadis, "'since it was powerful enough to break that tie, you may well ween it was worse than death itself. I beseech you, ask me no farther now.' Galaor then put on a better semblance, for he had before been somewhat angry, and seeing that his brother would still be secret, said no more. Four days they continued their voyage, and then took haven at a town in Gaul called Mostrol, where King Perion and his queen then sojourned, because it was opposite to Britain, and they could better learn tidings of their sons. They, when they saw the galley, sent to know who was come. Amadis bade the messenger reply that it was King Kildadan and Don Bruneo, but of himself or his brother to say nothing. Right joyful was King Perion at these tidings, for Amadis had sent him word how King Kildadan had been with Galaur in the house of Urganda, and now he thought he should hear of his son. He ordered all his company to take horse, and rode out with them to meet the newcomers, for Don Bruneo had sometimes been at his court, and he loved him much, and he knew that he was much with his sons. Amadis and Galaur clad themselves richly, and rode to the queen's palace, and bade the porter tell her that two knights of her lineage wished to speak with her. She bade them enter, and seeing Amadis, she knew Galaur by the likeness, albeit she had never seen him before, since the giant took him away, being but a child, and she cried out in one breath, Ah, oh, Virgin Mary Lady, what is this? I see my sons before me. And she fell upon the estrado like one bereft of sense. They knelt down and kissed her hand, 
and she rose and descended from the estrado and took them in her arms and kissed them many times before any of them could speak till their sister militia entered and the queen drew back that they might greet her and much were they astonished at her exceeding beauty who can tell the joy of that noble queen to see before her her two sons how fair knights they were and considering the griefs and fears wherewith her heart was always troubled knowing the dangers which amadis encountered and expecting life or death herself as the issue might be and having lost galaur as you have heard and now beholding them both restored with such honour and renown certes none can tell what joy she felt except she herself or one who has been in like case then said amadis we have brought don bruneo de bonamar here who is badly wounded let him be honourably entreated as one of the best knights in the world that shall he be my son replied elisina because you love him and because he has served as well and when i cannot attend him your sister militia shall lady sister quoth galaur you ought as a damsel to honour him greatly as one who serves and honours all damsels better than any other happy may she think herself whom he loves for without let he passed under the enchanted arch of true lovers a certain testimony they had never been false when militia heard this her heart leaped for she well knew that that adventure had been achieved for her sake and she answered like a discreet damsel as she was sir i shall do my best because you command me and because they tell me he is a good knight and one who loves you much while they were thus in talk the king's perion and kildadan came up and when amadis and galaor saw their father they knelt down and each took him by the hand and kissed it and he kissed them and the tears of joy ran down king kildadan bade them remember don bruneo and he having spoken to the queen and her daughter they all went towards don bruneo who was carried in knight's arms from the galley and they laid him in a rich bed in a chamber of the queen's apartments the windows whereof opened into a garden of roses and other flowers there the queen and her daughter went to visit him and she showed great pity for his wound and said to him don bruneo i will see you the most i can and when anything prevents me your friend Melissa shall be with you and she shall cure your wound elisina then departed leaving her daughter and her damsels Melissa sate herself up opposite his bed where he could see her fair countenance and so happy was don bruneo that while he could be so attended he did not wish to be healed she looked at his wound and saw that it was a great one but being open on both sides she hoped to heal it speedily and she said don bruneo methinks i can cure the wound but you must altogether obey me else you may bring on great danger lady replied he god forbid that i should ever otherwise than obey you for sure am i that in that case none could help me these words she understood as he had meant them better than the damsels who were present she then applied an ointment to his leg which allayed the swelling and pain and gave him food with her own fair hands and said to him compose yourself now and when it is time i will visit you again as she left the chamber she met his squire lucindo now he knew the secret of his master's love lucindo said she you are well known here and do you ask for whatever your master may need 
"'Lady,' he replied, "'God sent the time when this kindness may be rewarded.' And drawing nearer, he said to her in a low voice, "'She, lady, who wishes to cure the wounded, should take heed to the worst wound. For God's sake, lady, have pity on him, who so needs it, not for the pain which his wound gives him, but for what he endures for you.' When Melissa heard this, she replied, "'Friend, I shall remedy the wound which I see, if I can. Of the other I know nothing.' "'You know, lady,' replied Lacindo, "'that the passion he endures for you enabled him to see the statues of Apollidon and Grimanesa.' "'Ailings like these, Lacindo,' she answered, "'are often cured by only time. So it may be with your master, and it is needless to ask remedy for him from one who cannot bestow it. With that she left him and went to her mother. And though Lacindo repeated this answer to Don Bruneo, yet did it nothing trouble him, for he believed she felt otherwise than that, and he often blessed the giantess Adandona for wounding him, because thereby he enjoyed that pleasure without which all the world to him was only trouble and solitude. Thus, as you hear, King Kildadan and Galaor and Amadis were in Gaul with King Perion, to the great joy of all, and Don Bruneo in the care of her whom he loved so well. One day Galaor led them aside and said, Sirs, I believe that though I were to labour much, I could not find other three who would love me so well, and therefore I beseech you advise me concerning that which ought to be prized next to my soul. You, sir, my brother Amadis, placed me with King Lisuarte, and commanded me to be his with great affection, and now seeing how you are at enmity with the king, and that I am not discharged from his service, certainly I am greatly perplexed. For if I should help you, my honour would be tainted, and if I should aid him, it is the pain of death to me to do aught against you. I beseech you give me counsel upon this, which is your cause also, and consider more my honour than your own inclination. King Perion answered, Son, you cannot do wrong in following your brother against a king so thankless and unreasonable, for when you remained with him it was to the will of Amadis, and now with just cause may you leave him, seeing that like an enemy he labours to destroy your kindred who have served him so well. Sir, replied Don Galaor, I trust in God and in your favour, whereto I commit my honour, that it never shall be said I left the service of that king now when he needs my service so much, not having taken leave of him before. Good brother, then said Amadis, though we are bound to follow the better judgment of the king our father, yet will I now venture by his favour to say that at a time like this you ought not to forsake the king, unless it were so that no one could be injured thereby. As for this between him and me, there can be no knights on his side so powerful, powerful as they may be, that the high lord will not be stronger, who knows the services which I have wrought for him, and the evil guerdon which nothing meriting such I have from him received. It was determined then that Galaor should go to King Lisuarte. King Kildadan then said to the two brethren, you know, friends, the issue of that great battle which by you was won, and wherein you took from me that great glory which I and my people should have gained. And you know the terms of the battle, that the conquered should serve the conqueror, and this must I fulfil for my honour's sake, 
though it grieves me to the heart. Today there came a summons to me from King Lisuarte to serve him with my full number of knights. I must therefore go with Don Galaor. So the next day they took leave and entered into a vessel, and having landed in Great Britain, took their road towards the king. Greatly incensed was Lisuarte at what had happened in the island of Mongaza, and the slaughter of his people, and he resolved without waiting for all the forces which he had summoned to go against it. But three days before he was to embark, he told the queen to take Oriana and the ladies of the court to sport with him in the forest. So tents were pitched there, and they enjoyed the chase, but the king's thoughts were more upon the loss of the firm island than upon his sport. End of Chapter 2 of Book 3